Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, and also your host. And just before we begin the show, I'd like to thank our sponsors. ShopDrop is an iPhone app that lists every sample sale in New York. So if you want to buy designer clothes without breaking the bank, go to your iPhone and download the ShopDrop app today. Hello everyone, today on the show we have Rivka Cohen from Boston, Massachusetts. She is a video producer and photographer. It's so nice to have you on the show and just for you guys out there, Rivka has video filmed and edited uh, one of my music videos that featured Lisey Mitchell. Now she has a different last name, am I right? <laughs> And it's the Ruth video that we released almost two years ago. So make sure to check that out. Rivka, it's so amazing to have you on the show. I feel like this has Thank been... Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you and to see you. So I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So I know you started off in Atlanta and now you live in Boston and I'm sure lots of things happened in between, I know you post lots of pictures of you in other countries and states. So just take us a little bit through your life and your background. Okay, um, so I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the reason I got into film and photography is actually my grandpa was a director and a photographer. He worked in Miami Beach and was a pioneer in the film industry there. And when I was in high school, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he ended up moving to Atlanta so that we could spend uh, his last months with him. Um, before that, I had started taking pictures. I was working at um, like a school for refugees, and I was taking pictures of the kids and then giving them as gifts to the parents. Um, so I would take those pictures and then I would send them to him to sort of critique. Uh, and when he moved to Atlanta, I sort of became his protege in the last year of his life. And he, we would talk about film and we would talk about photography and he would give me lessons. And so that's kind of how it started from there. Um, I worked in Atlanta as a production assistant. Um, I did a lot of photography for products and various headshots, etc. And then when I got to college, I studied film and television at Boston University and continued to work there. Uh, and then I also worked at the oldest film production house in Peru um, for a summer. I worked at Univision at one point, and I worked for production companies in Boston and for an animation studio. So I guess that's my resume. <laughs> Very long elevator <laughs> So, wow. Okay, so number one, I'm sorry to hear about your grandfather. And it seems like he's been a big inspiration and muse into your career and your life choices. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, we have a lot in common also. We even, uh, we discovered when he moved to Atlanta that we had the same favorite book. Uh, we had the same favorite foods. Um, but they were all things that we didn't really know until he moved. So, yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you that you did have that and you were able to connect on such a strong level. So how old were you when you realized that this is what you wanted to do professionally? That's a good question. I would say 
probably um, coming into high school. So how old are you when you start high school? 15, 16? <laughs> I think that's about the age. Um, before that, I had always been creative. Um, I had spent a, a lot of time in art classes and did a lot of a lot of arts and my, I, I had always been interested, but I think that was sort of a point where I really wanted to focus on it. Um, I really got involved in taking photos at my high school, et cetera. So I think around that time is when I started to focus on it. That's really cool. And did you see interest or paid interest in your work at that age already? Where did that transition? So I think that one of the big things for like people who are interested, especially young people who are interested in doing photography and video, it's a lot of it is about talking to people and telling them that you're interested in doing this and that this is something you do and having something to show for it. So when I was in high school, um, I had one client that was a jewelry designer and I did all of her photos and I got paid for that. Um, I was really involved in the theater community at my high school. So I did a lot of people's headshots um, for people's, when people directed directed things I would take pictures for theirs so I ended up actually getting paid for that and then as a production assistant I also was paid for that but on a few occasions they paid me with like a necklace or a perfume and I would have preferred cash <laughs> um, but yeah yeah even when I was younger I, I was always um, paid for my work which I appreciated yeah that's a positive thing. <laughs> Many of us on this podcast always talk about how we can't cross that bridge mm -hmm. where you go from providing a service or a nice thing for other people to them valuing you as someone who gets paid for their work because it's going from hobby to work or from nice thing to providing a service that's yeah. needed. I think that that's a huge challenge for creators in general. I see it with a lot of my friends. I think a lot of it is you have to remind yourself that if you, you need to value your work. So if you think that your work is worth something, people should understand that. And if you value your work, they'll value it too. Um, so one thing that I've started doing now, um, so I, I recently transitioned a little more into doing maternity shoots, newborn shoots, and something that was important to me was that I needed to build a portfolio and show that I could provide the service before I started to charge for the service. So to a few of my friends, I offered, I'll, I'll take photos of you for free, but can I use them in my portfolio? So now I have something to show. So I think always you sort of have to, if you're a creator, just to prove that you can do something, you have to start out by doing things for free if you don't have that content yet. Um, but then after I had created that, I was able to show what I had. And one thing that I do that kind of makes it easier to ask for money, because I used to work on a pay what you wish model, um, which it was, it works for a while, but, um, it, it doesn't even out as much as, as much as I needed it to. Uh, so now what I do is I have work to show that I can do maternity, I can do newborn, and I have a, a standard package that I send to everyone. So it doesn't seem like I'm sending them something unfair and I have the value of my work sort of on an official paper. Um, and I looked at the like standard market value of different newborn and maternity photographers and made like a nice document that people can look at. And if they want my services, then like we can discuss those prices. And if it's too much, then that that's okay. And they can find something else, etc. But I think it is important um, once you get to a certain point to be able to say this is my work and it's valuable and um, 
my time is also valuable as well. Uh, I think like creator, like yes, you have the final product which people are paying for, but also the amount of time that creators put in. Like I'm sure for you, when you make uh, when you make music, you put a lot of time into the writing and into the producing and into the engineering and like all of that. Like your work is valuable, so you should be rewarded for it. Correct. Just to add to your, <laughs> it's not just the work and the time I put into my albums. I I had to pay an engineer and producer exactly. to do this for me so that added a huge cost now I cut back with my own recording studio I'm able to cut back on costs to produce okay. it That's really cool. but I also learned to charge more so I'm hoping to make back what I've been losing yeah for the past few years so as I see you transitioned from volunteering for for companies and organizations to being your own entrepreneur because I used to think you, you had a job I mean they paid you like any other position yeah. but now you make it sound but maybe correct me you might have transitioned from a few different places that right. you were more like oh can I be on set with you can I do what you need and then pay me with what you want just so I can have this on your resume on, on my own resume and then you're like okay now I could do this on my own let me just start my own business I mean, that was definitely a long process. Like I started working on sets when I was 16. Uh, so by the time that I was older, I was able to sort of ask, like I have experience in this, I would like to be rewarded. But just as a side note for things that I believe in or um, important nonprofits, etc., I I do do collaborations and those I don't consider a business. So those are like free, but <laughs> just to clarify. Um, yeah, so it was... It was a transition. I think that just because people need to see your work, so you kind of need to show I can, like, it's like, you know, sometimes in some professions you have to get a certain license or a certain degree before you go into something. I think in the creative world, you kind of need, need to show that you can do something before people start paying for you. And that's the best way to sort of build that up. Um, I have worked, I worked at Carbonite as the in-house video producer, which I really enjoyed, um, but I decided to transition recently to focus more on my photography. Um, I'm also, so I'm doing a few things right now. I have a lot of maternity, newborn, family, and engagement shoots coming up, so that was just filling up too much time, um, and it was what I really loved doing, so I decided to cut back on Carbonite, uh, as well as I opened up a shop with some of the photos that I have some photos that are used as decor. So um, there are a few medical offices in Atlanta where my photos are up and some offices in Boston as well. So sort of trying to focus on that business as well. So I, I stepped away from Carbonite. And congratulations from that for that. So I have spoken when I needed to hire photographers or videographers. A lot of them separate video and photography. First of all, it's already separated if you want to study it. So, yeah. and you sort of do both, which is incredible. How how would you say they complement, or how are they integral, separated parts of your business? Um, so I think that's a great question. Um, One more question. Sorry. Let's say yeah. you had a client. An ideal client, someone who has no you know, budget limit for their wedding, and they would say you could do the photography or the video, which one would you prefer? So which one do you like more, and which one pays more? Would you choose one that pays less just because you like it more, if that was the case? Lots of questions. Um, I think that's a great question. So I originally got into video because of my experience in photography. Um, 
so definitely what, as a video producer, I approach it from a more visual point of view, just because I started in sort of the world of composition and shadows and the visual, the image, etc. Um, but I think, and I, I love video. Um, I love the collaboration aspect. I absolutely love the people that I get to work with in video. I have a few mentees that I work with on sets that um, I really like that video is this sort of world that's a very pay it forward kind of world. So I've had some amazing mentors in the video world. Um, and now I, I try to pay that forward as well. And I love that. Um, I do have to say that my my original love being photography, um, I think I've always just been really impacted by still images. So um, for example, even when I was in, I remember in middle school going to an Annie Leibovitz exhibit um, at the High Museum in Atlanta. She's a really famous photographer and just being so floored by what she did and thinking like, wow, I would like one day to be able to make things like this or going to, when I was living in Lima, Peru, I went to a Mario Testino exhibit. He's a really famous fashion photographer. And those have always spoken to me in a very different way than video has. So I think of the two, I'm able to do both and happy to do both. But photography is definitely uh, my first love. Um, and I, I think that uh, at a wedding, I think I would want to be the photographer. I think you can get, you can get some amazing videos as well, but uh, the potential for being able, like, I feel like a, vi a video can tell a story and it can capture a lot of emotion, but the potential to be able to capture so much emotion into one still image um, excites me a little bit more for that kind of event. Okay, I love your answer. And do you know if video, if you charge more than vi to do video than photo? Um, I do charge more for videos just because they take longer. Um, for so sure. I uh, so I recently, as a as a gift to my my brother, he's a musician as well. Uh, I made a music video for him. Uh, we took him to Salem, Massachusetts, and we filmed him in all these locations. Uh, and I've been editing it now. And so the filming day took an entire day. We left the house at like six in the morning, which is late for video. And then we got home maybe at eight, and that was all day of filming. And then the editing now is going to take a really long time as well so just for the the sheer time video i have to charge more yeah true and sometimes i charge based on if i like something less i'll charge more so yeah. i was wondering if that also goes into it or not necessarily I, I think, so I, I love the the video process. Like I, I love filming. I, I love, I get like a buzz when I feel like I've gotten the right shot or when you feel like an edit has finally come together. Um, I love that feeling. So I can't say that I charge more because I don't like it as much, but it's definitely much more of a time commitment and it's a lot more involved and complicated. So, And you studied photography and film, <laughs> did you? Or do, are you self-taught? Yeah, um, I went to Boston University on a full scholarship and studied film and TV. Okay, that's that was my next question. What brought you to Boston? So I guess that yeah. <laughs> that, that did bring me all the way here, and then I I have not I love it so much, so I haven't left. <laughs> okay, so I'm really interested because for someone who loves photography and you know getting great shots and. I find the challenge of it being, I know I got myself a camera, it's probably not as fancy as yours, but I love to take shots. And the dilemma becomes, how do I get myself in these shots? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, let's take a step back. I look at your Instagram page or your Facebook page. You have the constant, fresh, new flow of images that are not taken on a smartphone. They are professionally done and edited. So how, first of all, where do you find yourself a photographer who's available to you all the time? And what's your arrangement? How do you balance this? That's my question. Um, Oh, so you mean the photos of me? Yes. So for someone who likes to take the photos, how are you in so many professional photos all the time? Well, okay. There there are a few. I I have some good friends who are photographers. Um, It's really important to have a community. So sometimes we'll sort of trade shoots. Uh, as well as I, I, I just, I got engaged in October. So we had an engagement shoot and had a really, really talented photographer. Um, so I have photos from that, but then in general in life, and I, I mean, I know when I was working on the music video with you, your husband actually helped us during the music video. There was one part where, uh, there were pedals on the ground and I wanted it to look like they were falling on you. So he was throwing the pedals during the music video. And I have to say that uh, my fiance ends up taking a lot of a lot of the photos of me. So a lot of times I'll give him the camera and I'll say, oh, like, try to get me in focus there. I'm going to be there. And then he he helps <laughs> sometimes uh, a little reluctantly, to be honest. But he's he's usually pretty good about that. <laughs> Yeah, because he's also in a lot of the photos, so he must be either (laughs) persuaded or motivated or somehow. I haven't met anyone yet who wants to model for their wives all the time or with their wives or fiancés. I do say that occasionally he'll get a little frustrated. I think... uh... He's he's very private, which I appreciate. Um, but he also recognizes that you know I I love to take photos of things that I love. So um, like my original muses when I was younger, I would take pictures of my brothers because I I love them, you know. And now um, that's sort of how I express love is by like including you into my art, if that makes sense. Um, that's why I love taking pictures of people because I, I'm a people person. I love being around people. I've done a lot of work with kids. I love working with kids. I even, um, like teach part-time at a preschool. Like I, I take pictures of things that I love. So you kind of, I can understand it gets annoying sometimes, but it's, it's important for me to be able to do that. (laughs) And I'm sure he appreciates that. And congratulations. Now that we've talked about the glamour, the beauty, the entrepreneur spirit in you, I know there's a lot under and behind the scenes that goes on and all the emotions that comes with being an artist and putting yourself out there and turning your passion into your business. So take us a little bit through that journey and where your demons are. Um, my demons. Well, I think we already sort of covered this, but definitely asking people to pay was one of the most difficult parts of transitioning into my own business, just because um, I really liked before having the opportunity to sort of give photography as a gift to people or as a gift to artists that I really liked. Um, whereas now trying to build a business, I have to be a little bit more firm on that. Um, I think another really important thing is carving out Carving out time to network and carving out time to do sales as well as just taking photos. Um, So, for example, uh, a few weeks ago, I was at a cafe in Boston 
and I saw this family that was absolutely beautiful. They had the cutest kids, the cutest little baby with like the cutest big brown eyes. And I thought to myself, oh, they would be really great um, subjects for a photo shoot. Um, maybe they would be interested. So I think a big part of sort of trying to start this up is having the courage to go up to people and say, like, are you interested in a photo shoot? And actually they were. And I, I went up to them. I got up from my table and talked to the mom and said, if you're interested in a photo shoot, this is my card. So I think um, not being afraid to network is also a pretty big deal. And also not being afraid to ask people that like your work, if they can help you network or if they can spread the word, I think is really important. Um, so those are definitely things that happen behind the scenes. Uh, also making sure that you have enough savings for talk because there are seasons where I'll have a hundred photo shoots in a month and then the next month I don't have anything maybe because it's a vacation so a lot of people are out of town um or just like I've already covered all of the pregnant women in my neighborhood um so I think it's a lot of it is about sort of going with the flow and kind of being ready to handle un unexpected things or that you might think that you have a free month, but then all of a sudden things start coming in um, and having a flexible schedule. Um, this past weekend, I, I ended up getting the flu, so I actually could not do any photo shoots um, because I they were all newborn photo shoots and obviously I don't wanna be around babies when I have the flu. Um, but I like sometimes you have to schedule things on a weekend and then sometimes you get really, really sick. <laughs> you have to reschedule things with people for the next week um so I think a lot of it is about being flexible and also I have a an aunt who she is a real she's a business consultant like she helps people with small businesses and she always had given me really good advice about starting your own small business and ways to sort of make the people that you work with feel special um so different things about like packaging and different things about the way you communicate or handwriting things or like how you deliver, what you create, like all of that, I think makes a big difference when you are trying to be an independent artist or make your way in that way. And I've noticed you do a lot of that stuff in your personal life. I've gotten handwritten stuff from you and I'm like, wow, I don't think I get it from anyone else in my life. I, I, I like doing that stuff. It's nice, you know. <laughs> it's really nice. So, and what you've said in terms of it used to be like a gift, so it was hard for you to transition into charging people. And what I've figured out for myself is that you could still be, charge someone and still give them a gift with it. It's still a gift, you know? You yeah. could go to a bad doctor, a good doctor, you're paying both of them, but it's yeah. a gift to have a good doctor. So That's no great. matter, yeah, <laughs> it could still be a gift. And the other thing is, I. I, I've noticed that charging people is not my is not my weak spot, and I attribute it to my mother because she, the first person who came to me to ask me to teach her guitar, I was probably in tenth grade, and my mother said, "Charge her. If you charge her, she will value your time, and you will value the time, and everyone will get the most out of it because she'll quit in two weeks if you don't charge her, or she'll she won't practice and." It was so true. I feel like I learned that at a really young age and have mastered it. <laughs> I have no shame. Oh, what a cool mom. I love it. That's awesome. So I feel like it's important for us also as future moms to know that, you know, we could really teach our kids a lot of a lot of basic skills that could help them in their future by just bringing it 
into their life at a young age when it's easier to pick up stuff. Oh, definitely. When you're a little bit more of a sponge. I think that's really great advice. Definitely. Um, I know that they've done a bunch of studies with people who uh, like to volunteer to do something and people were much likely, I think it was like giving blood. If they had paid or something, they were much more likely to do it because the money is already there to like go to an event. Um, So I think that's actually really great advice. Yeah. People end up caring much more about things that they've invested things into. So Okay, so when I asked you about challenges, I don't feel like I got what I was looking for. (laughs) I feel like there's more to it. There's more to you. I know you are a deep person, and you're not just about the pictures and the outside and the perfect look and the perfect image. I'm sure things have come up as being a Jewish woman, and I want to know if there are any lines you had to set for yourself or limits or, or criteria. Stuff comes up, and you have your values um I will say that there, there have been challenges not necessarily in terms of being a Jewish woman but in terms of being a woman in general for example I've I've received um like requests to do photo shoots let's say with a with a man that I've never met for example um I think as a woman I tend to be a lot more um like cautious in general so if somebody, like I've had somebody request, for example, can we do a photo shoot in my house? And the idea of going into somebody's house that I don't know is just them is not, does not sit well with me. So having to say no to certain opportunities or opportunities for business because because it doesn't sit well with me because I, I tend to be a little bit more cautious and also a little bit more conservative in that way. Um, that's been a little bit of a challenge. So I think that actually the majority of my clients are mostly women. Um, and also, and if, if there are men involved, they're usually like with a wife, etc. So I, I think that's kind of impacted my business a little bit. But I also think that I've been able to positively impact some women's lives through my art. For example, I've had a few clients who they were not very confident or they wanted a photo shoot because they were seeking a way to feel confident and feel beautiful in who they were. Um, I think that something just besides the actual image that I can offer, something that I feel like I can offer is um, I think that I'm good at building people up and making them feel comfortable. And I think that for a woman to have the opportunity to feel that way in front of the camera or just to feel that way with herself, Um, and then maybe when she looks at the photo, she feels that way, but at least she has this time where she can feel beautiful or feel more empowered. Um, I think that's much more important than any of the image I've had. Uh, I've definitely also received that feedback that people end up feeling more comfortable with themselves after a photo shoot. So I think it's also important for me that for my photo shoots, people sort of come out of it feeling more confident about themselves. Um, so I guess. I don't know if that answers your question. But. It does. And I have this when I take pictures of other people, and I do not do this professionally at all, but when I send them the pictures after the shoot, waiting for their response is like, oh my gosh, if it takes them a day to respond, I, I want to kill them and say, <laughs> give me those pictures back. Do you have that self-confidence issue after sending photos? And waiting for the response or approval of your clients, or you are just confident by the time you send those pictures that they're just amazing and they're going to love it? Um, 
that's a great question. I think that sometimes as a creator, you have to be okay with the fact that some people are going to love what you do and some people aren't. They're just not going to love your style. Um, so I, I try when people are looking, somebody once, I actually received this advice from someone because a few years ago I had a photo shoot with someone who um, I sent her all the photos and she was really unhappy with all of them. They were not what she was expecting. They weren't, um, they weren't the style she was looking for. Like she was really, really unhappy and I was really distressed by this and someone gave me really good advice, uh, which I think applies to a lot of things. Like if you're a therapist or if you're any other kind of creator that, um, you also you need to make sure that you're a good match before you do the photo shoot. So if I if somebody asks me to do a photo shoot with them, I want to make sure that they've looked at my work and I want to make sure that they connect to my style because if you don't look at my work and see what I do, um, I might not be the right person for you. Um, so since that time, I've I think I've been a little bit more picky about the people that I do photo shoots with because I I want it to be the right match and I also think the the relationship chemistry is really important too because if they're not feeling good they're not it's not going to look good on camera um so I try to make sure that when I do a photo shoot with people that one that they like my style and they connect to it um and do that we have good chemistry so that they feel comfortable um so at this point because I try to use that process I don't feel as nervous just because I, I feel a good connection with the people that I work with but definitely in the past uh, when I was just trying to like get all the experience that I could, I've had those times where it was really stressful when I would send things out because maybe we just didn't connect or I could tell when I left a photo shoot, like, I know I got all the photos that I would usually get, but I, I just don't feel right about them. And it's usually because it's not a good match. So true. It does. You do have to be a good match for it to happen. As an artist, you have vision for what you'd like to do and you have so much passion also you don't just take on projects because I mean obviously they have to be matched but I also think the vision of things need to work and that's how we connected originally so could you just tell me about a dream project either that you're working on now or that you would like to work on I'm just curious to hear what are some of your passion, vision projects for the future? Right. Um, So a few years ago, I actually had a a solo photography exhibit in Boston, and it was called Children of Israel, and it was a bunch of photos of children from all different parts of Israel. Uh, So I'm really passionate about Israel. I've lived there before, and I'm also really passionate about sort of telling stories of the country beyond just what people see in the news, which I know sounds a little bit cliche when you're in the Jewish community. But I, for me, it's important, especially because I have a very diverse community in Boston and not necessarily all of the people that I know understand why I love Israel or understand why it's so important. So um, for me, I, I loved that gallery and I loved what I did there. Um, I'd really like to continue and expand on that project in general. Uh, maybe go, I, for me, I work a lot with kids and I always have worked with kids. I think um, like as a million things, as a nanny, as a counselor, as a teacher, as a photographer, like a million different capacities. Um, I think that they're a really good way of showing how a country functions because they don't have filters and they take in everything like a sponge. So the things that they say are, I think, really true observations on the world, even if we think that they're kind of strange. (laughs) Um, 
So I, I love projects that involve children. So I'd, I'd love to be able to continue that project, go back to Israel, um, focus on more kids, maybe add some video into the mix. Um, and just my, my dream would be to sort of continue that project. So. That's a really beautiful project. So if anyone wants to find you or book you or follow you, where can they do that? Um, so I have a website. It's called ricareviva.com. That's R-I-K-A-V-E, wait, R-I-K-A-R-E-V-I-V-A.com. That's my website, ricareviva.com. Um, and then I also have an Instagram where I post most of my newest photos. And that's also ricareviva, so R-I-K-A-R-E-V-I-V-A. Amazing. And we'll post those in your bio in the description of this podcast as well. We're wishing you, all of us here listening, a big mazel tov, a congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Thank you. I'm very excited. <laughs> I wonder how married life is going to impact your business. I think that luckily, thank God, I have a, a really supportive partner who has always been um, really supportive of the work I do and uh, also pushes me to try and be the best that I can in what I do. So I feel, I think, only positively. <laughs> I agree because I've seen your work and your development as an entrepreneur and how it's been, and we like to do this a lot on the podcast, is thank our support systems because if we, if we don't have it, we're not flourishing the way we can. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I would not be able to do anything without my support system. They, for sure, without my partner, without my parents, not my family or my friends. Um, I think I'm, I'm very lucky in the support systems that I have. So. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story. And I, I can't wait to do another project with you. I know the distance yep. is an issue, but but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And if you have been enjoying this podcast, please make sure to write a review and subscribe and tell your friends to check us out as well. See you next time. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas.